0: This episode is supported by EarnIn. Life doesn't happen bi weekly, so why should Payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with EarnIn. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 230 with Kim Campbell. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode and access to any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 230 Kim Campbell is the creator of the free 30-day PCOS Diet Challenge and the Beat PCOS 10-Week program, where she helps women overcome their PCOS diagnosis by applying evidence-based approaches to food, exercise, and emotional wellness practices. Having struggled with health issues since her early teens, it wasn't until her 30s where she began struggling with infertility that Kim was diagnosed with PCOS. After a long journey of completely transforming her health through diet and lifestyle changes, Kim fell pregnant naturally after years of failed IVF treatments. When not busy supporting women with PCOS, Kim's other passions include writing and recording music, surfing and spending quality time with her husband and her 10-month-old son. PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it's much more common than you might think. Many women go undiagnosed despite their right symptoms of irregular periods, unexplained weight gain, hormonal imbalances, and more. One of the great things about the PCOS diagnosis is that it is often very treatable through lifestyle changes rather than long-term medications that come with a lot of side effects. Kim talks in depth about symptoms and diagnosis and treatment. It is very likely that you know someone who struggles with PCOS, perhaps undiagnosed. For those who go undiagnosed, there's often a tremendous amount of shame around their symptoms and their bodies that often seem like they're failing them. If you think this episode might be helpful to a friend or family member, please share it. Listening to hear Kim share her story about the impact of PCOS in her life, the common struggles, symptoms, and health concerns around PCOS, how PCOS impacts fertility, the three pronged approach to treating and managing PCOS long term, and the most common missing link in treating PCOS. All right. So Kim and I dive deep on this topic today, talking about everything related to polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I want us to just dive in and get started. So let's dive in with Kim Campbell. Kim Campbell, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you for having me. So this is gonna be an interesting conversation. I think we're gonna talk about some things that maybe might be unfamiliar to some women, but also might be something that women are struggling with and don't know about. So I just think we're gonna open some new doors for people as we cover a lot of things around polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I'm very excited to dive in. Before we get into that topic too intensely, I would like you to share with us the dynamics of your personal and professional life right now, and a little bit beyond your bio. What are you most excited about?
1: So I think I'll start with my personal life, and then I'll kind of describe how that goes into my professional life at the moment, because it's been quite an intense year. Um, I've got a (laughs) 10-month-old baby, which we were just talking about before. So I'm originally from Seattle, and I... Yay, another Seattleite. (laughs) So I moved to Australia, actually, about 14 years ago, and I've been living here permanently since. I've got a husband and a 10-month-old son at the moment, and we live in an eco-village on the Gold Coast. So... It's not like a hippie commune. it's just it's actually you know quite a normal development estate. It's just that we all try to live sustainably and have water tanks and you know solar panels and lots of kangaroos in our yard. So it's so cool. cool. Little, it's cool. It's really cool.
0: It sounds from the way you describe it. It sounds like it's something like kind of commonly known and commonly practiced over in Australia, but if you were in the States, it would be like, that's total hippie life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's not even that common here. It's kind of like this really, this place that we found that's, it's quite like, I think it's like an award-winning, you know, development where a lot of people from around the world come and kind of check it out. And so it's so not, cool. it isn't normal. It's to not have normal. in your okay. back room now. Now, so I'm me being from Seattle, you know, I literally go out and take pictures of them every day. I'm like still a tourist oh, after 14 so years. Cool. Of being here. It's, so cool. It's ridiculous. It's really cool. So professionally, I run a blog and it's mostly about PCOS and infertility. I've struggled with infertility for a very long time. And I also do a 10 week program supporting women with PCOS. And we're hoping to launch a podcast later this year. Mm, so at the moment, I do have a ten-month-old, and it's insane, <laughs> very, very intense. As I'm sure a lot of women with young babies have, you know, have been through this, know what it's like to, you know, try to run a business but be at home with your baby. Um, and he's literally was born with FOMO. Like <laughs> I've had to like cover his eyes while I breastfeed him from about five weeks on. He's literally that. Oh my gosh! He just, <laughs> yeah, he just like can't miss out on anything, which means he doesn't like to sleep during the night, during the day you know, it doesn't like breastfeeding. Like I had to switch over to bottle feeding just to, you know, I express, so I pump and yeah. bottle just to eat, literally get him to eat. So that's been really challenging and then running the business at the same time.
0: Oh my gosh, so I can relate kind of, to all yeah. of that. <laughs> yes, yeah. <And laughs> I'll let you know my experience when my son was really tiny. I thought like, well, I mean, I have this business that I run, but like I can just run it while the baby sleeps. This won't be a problem. And then he was born and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, that's laughable yes. laughable yeah, that I could I, run a business while the baby sleeps it is insane
1: like literally <laughs> at the moment I have to hold him for every nap so I I do oh I, like I'm like what would have happened if iPhones didn't exist because at least yeah. I can like use one hand get on my iPhone you know get into my Facebook group answer people's questions but it's all one-handed and <laughs> there's only so much you can do one-handed
0: right <laughs> right, right. Oh it's my god. So when I first had Vinny, I had a I cannot remember what kind of phone it was. It was not an iPhone though. It was a smartphone, but you could like instead of having to type out words on texting, you could I can't think of the word. You could like swipe on letters and connect them. So you wouldn't have to like tap it out. So I could actually like use my thumb to connect the letters by navigating the screen. Anyways, I don't know that technology exists anymore because it was kind of old school. (laughs) But it was perfect for texting while nursing because I didn't have to worry so much about like specificity with my Mm. thumb. But I was like, yeah, this is like the only way I can communicate because I have this baby in my arms all the freaking time and I have to get something done.
1: Yeah, I know. And I'm really type A. Like it sounds like you and I are quite similar in that like... I have to be really productive, right? Right. you know, and so it's really this thing that I'm struggling with mentally where I really have to let go of that to a certain yeah. extent because I just can't be productive like I right. used to be. I just, it's literally impossible. And every day I feel like by the end of the day, I'm so frustrated because I had so many things on my to-do list. I had so much work I wanted to get done on my computer and I just can't get it done.
0: Right my remedy (laughs) i was gonna say my remedy was that i have to do one thing every day to move my business forward but that's all i have to do like because every day was like well, i'm gonna do these 37 things and then i would usually do like 15 of them halfway but never finish anything so i was just like i have to do one thing that is going to get me revenue yes that was kind of where i left it and then when I got that one thing done, I was like, okay, I can take a nap if I want, or I can do more things to be productive. I get to choose. <laughs> but that was the deal I made with myself.
1: Yeah. And it really forces you, I feel like, to be much better at prioritizing yeah. what's actually really important for your business.
0: Right. Yes, definitely. You let go of like a lot now, of the minutia.
1: Yes. I'm so much better at like, okay, those don't really matter. That doesn't really matter. This is the one thing that actually really matters to my business. So this is the only thing I'm going to focus right. on. So. Right. You know, I guess that's a positive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So motherhood really shakes it all up. And the interesting thing about this, I think, as someone who struggled with infertility myself, is that you feel like I worked so hard to get here. Like, why can't it just all be magic? It should be magic and rainbows all the time because I took so long to get here. And I know that was your situation as well. Yes. I feel like it makes it even harder that when the hard work feels hard. It's like all the more unfair feeling.
1: Yes. And there's guilt. Like I have a lot of, you know, I was, you know, trying forever and ever to have this baby. And then I feel guilty that, you know, a lot of times that I'm not maybe enjoying him as much as I could sometimes, or yeah, this is a really interesting dynamic. I feel like we've we've struggled to with infertility and then you finally have what you want. And then it's, it's like, Oh, it's actually not that perfect thing (laughs) that you imagined. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I love him so much, but it's, but it's hard just yeah. make it easy yeah, yeah that's it yeah so let's go-, then- oh, go ahead Oh, sorry. Oh, no, uh, just one thing that I'm excited. Yes, about. Yes. I want to we'll know what you're excited about for sure. We've got a challenge coming up. So we run this 30 day PCOS diet challenge and it's free. We run it four times a year. It's a live challenge. So that's coming up this coming week. I'm not sure when this is going to be released. So it may have started by then, but really excited about that. It's probably one of the best things that I get mm, to do in my professional life because cool. it's this live event where, you know, thousands of women, that come together online and support each other and kind of making these changes to their diet. And there's just so much cool energy. Oh, and,
0: very cool. Yes. Yeah, so. Do you run these periodically or is it one time a year? I or? do.
1: So okay. I do it four times a year. Okay. So kind of every three months. Okay.
0: Then we'll make sure that we'll talk about how people can connect with you at the end of this sure. episode so that they can make sure that they get connected with you for whenever the next opportunity is, whether it's this one or the sure. next one. So we'll make sure to cover that because I think that'll be a really good resource for people. So let's go into your story with PCOS. Tell people what PCOS is and how it's impacted your life.
1: Sure. So PCOS, it's short for polycystic ovarian syndrome and it's a hormone disorder and it's actually really common. It affects about 15 to 20% of women and I feel like a lot of those are, go undiagnosed. Yes, which is something we can talk about. It also causes, you know, a really large range of symptoms, which we can get into more later. The cause of it isn't really well understood, but it does involve a combination of, you know, genetic and environmental factors. So for me personally, you know, I wasn't diagnosed with it until I was in my 30s and trying to get pregnant, but I did suffer from a lot of health issues that were related to it that now, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So, you know, I had really irregular periods. I had a lot of stomach issues. I had low energy, acne. I struggled with insomnia, depression, anxiety. You know, I struggled with stomach fat, even though I was really, really active. I was a runner. So that was kind of like the only way I could kind of keep that stomach fat off and played a lot of basketball and but always just really quite sickly, I would say would really be the best way to just to describe me. So And then in my 30s, because I had irregular periods, basically would never get, you know, never get a period. It'd be like once every eight months. It was obviously really difficult to fall pregnant. So we can go into that a little bit later. But, yeah, so that was about four and a half years of, you know, going through all sorts of treatments and eventually a lot of IVF. And... Yeah, so it, it definitely has affected my life probably throughout my entire life, but it wasn't until my 30s that I really knew what it was.
0: Okay. Was there anything specific that triggered the diagnosis
1: for you? Well, I think it was me going to the doctor because I think this is really common for a lot of women with PCOS and people in general with health concerns is I really had to be my own advocate. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I always knew it was kind of weird that I didn't get periods. You know, a doctor stuck me on birth control, when I was 16 and that was like, okay, that fixed the problem, you know, no worries. So it wasn't until my thirties where I was like, okay, this is actually is a problem. I need yeah. to figure it out. So I literally probably, it was three doctors before I even got the diagnosis that I went to and was like, something's wrong. Do some testing, I'm not getting my period. I'm not, being able to fall. It took three
0: doctors. Yeah. For you to tell them that you were getting your period every eight months or so. And like, this wasn't something that they had, like, I can (laughs) tell I'm not a medical professional. And I would say anyone who's telling me (laughs) anything like that, I'd be like, have you talked to a doctor about PCOS?
1: Yeah. Looking back, I cannot believe it. I literally cannot believe it. Like I went to an endocrinologist and she was like, oh, yeah, I mean, your hormones are out of whack, but you know, it'll be okay. You can fall pregnant. And that was it. And Oh I remember gosh. being so angry, being like that you've got to be kidding me. That's yeah. like the so unhelpful. Right. Yeah. So it was really a, a journey. And and then, you know, and then even having once I did get that diagnosis, I think actually getting the information that I needed was a whole and a whole nother journey and a whole nother like, f- you know, so many doctors to actually get to a point where I was treating it in a way that could actually, you know, deal with the underlying symptoms instead of just kind of being like, oh, you've got infertility, let's just do IVF. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you've got acne, let's give you acne medication. Right. Or oh, you have your periods, let me stick you on the pill. And this is such a common thing mm-hmm. with all the women that I speak to with PCOS.
0: Right, right. And just mm-hmm. to give people a little bit of medical background with PCOS, so I know this, and I'll get probably more into this a little bit later in this conversation, but I was diagnosed in high school with PCOS. And then in adulthood, my doctor said that probably was potentially not an accurate diagnosis, which I can talk more about that later. But at the time when I was diagnosed, I had gotten my first period, which lasted for literally a month, and my mom thought I was lying. That I she was like, "Really? You need more tampons?" And I was like, "I promise, like I really do." <laughs> and oh she's God. like, "These That's are very strange. expensive." So my period lasted forever. And then I didn't have one for like eight months. And so my mom takes me to the doctor and she's like, this isn't normal. She only had this one period. And the one that she had was weird. And so they do this ultrasound. And in the ultrasound, they could see little cysts all over my ovaries. And what that means, so this is why it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome, is that instead of ovulating and having your egg leave your ovary and like pop out down the fallopian tube, it starts to come out of the ovary and it never fully forms to actually leave the ovary down the fallopian tube. Mm. So you end up with these Mm. little cysts. So when they did my ultrasound, they saw these little cysts, and that's how I got the diagnosis. So if you have very regular cycles, the impact on fertility is obviously like your egg is not coming down to meet the sperm, but it can make you a reasonable candidate for IVF if they can get the eggs out and retrieve the eggs and those kinds of things, which they can often do with drugs. And the IVF drugs often stimulate a lot of that activity So Mm. just to fill in a few blanks for people wondering about how some of those things work. Mm. So can you share the common symptoms and health concerns? You've mentioned some of them already associated with PCOS and maybe like what would trigger someone to go talk to their doctor?
1: Sure, sure. So some of the common symptoms do include irregular periods, Mm -hmm. like I talked about struggling to fall pregnant, acne, weight gain. So there's there's Different types of PCOS, and it's actually really confusing. Like some people say there's four types, some people say there's two, but I would say there's two main types in that there's someone with classical PCOS, and normally that's associated with, you know, a real struggle with weight. So very, very easy to gain weight, hard to lose it. And then kind of lean PCOS, which is I think you and I would probably fall into that where it's not so much weight gain, but then you have a lot of the other symptoms. Some of the really difficult ones as well that women have to deal with is hirsutism. So that's actually because your testosterone levels are so high, you can struggle with actually having facial hair, male pattern baldness. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of you know mental health things that go yeah. along with that depression, anxiety, you know, sleep problems. This is all really, really common for women with PCOS. So it's really this, you know, unfortunately, entire, you know, plethora of different symptoms. A lot of women struggle with insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. A lot of women then go on to get type 2 diabetes. It can affect pregnancies. So it gives you a higher risk of miscarriage, gestational diabetes. And then later in life, Women with PCOS are also a lot higher risk for heart disease, diabetes, liver cancer – I'm sorry, liver disease and even, and even cancer. So it's really sucks. <laughs> you know, you have this – like you literally – if you don't get on top of it, it affects every stage of your life. So the criteria for diagnosis is you have to have at least two of the three main – out of the three criteria. So high androgen levels is one. So like high testosterone levels, irregular periods, and then cysts on your ovaries, which you talked about. So mm-hmm. if you have two out of three of those, then you, you would, you know, get diagnosed with PCOS if you actually found a do- <laughs> if you can find a doctor who <laughs> knows what they're doing. You can find a doctor who has more information than us people who yeah. are not doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, again, I'm just such a fan of people being their own health advocate because... Yeah. I feel like, you know, that's really needed. You, need, you know, you need to educate yourself. Luckily, you know, the internet exists now. You you can get online. You can find good information and pushing, you know, with doctors until you can kind of get the answers that you want. So to get that diagnosis, you know, that can involve blood tests, ultrasounds to kind of confirm it. Right. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it's that long, does. Long answer.
0: So and I'll mention, so the symptoms that I had, so I don't currently have any of the symptoms that you mentioned for diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why my doctor was like, no, you're totally fine as an adult. And I, when I went off the pill, so I was put on the pill in high school, I was on it so that I would actually get periods. And then I just stayed on it until I was like mid thirties and we were considering getting pregnant. So I'd been on it for a very long time. So
1: common. And then when I went the exact same. yeah, Yeah.
0: And also, like, I don't know, I just didn't like ever consider going off of it. I was like, I don't know, like my periods were super easy. They were like two to three days long and super light. So I was like, why would I mess with this? And
1: then Yeah, I know it's great. I yeah, loved it. <laughs> it was really great.
0: So then when I went off of it. This episode is supported by Aqua True. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you gotta check out AquaTrue. Aqua True true purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS I swear it's like, understood explains and it will pop right up click on it pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school my cycles were anywhere from 32 to like 54 days so it looked like every once in a while I would skip a cycle which made this was when we were going through fertility Mm. stuff so that made it very challenging to try to predict ovulation and those kinds of things but the doctor said like it just looks like you're kind of every once in a while skipping a cycle like you're not going for months and months it's not like super consistent. your My hormone levels were totally normal. I like my blood sugar work that came back normal. I wasn't struggling with weight gain. Like I kind of my other, I didn't have enough of the contributing factors, but after Vinny was born or actually in pregnancy, in pregnancy and post-pregnancy, I had problems with hypo. Hypoglycemia. Yes. Reactive hypoglycemia. And so I struggled with that in pregnancy and then post-pregnancy as well. And so that was, I was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, that's like a blood sugar thing. It's not diabetes, Mm. but it's, you know, it's in the same family. (laughs) And Mm. then I also really struggled with milk production. And so my doctor finally said to me after Vinny was done nursing, but she was like, you know, I've just started thinking a little bit more about you talking about, you know, this PCOS diagnosis you had in high school and maybe there is something there. She's like, you don't have the classic profile, but you do have a few things that are just a little weird. And I mean, I don't think she used the word weird, but (laughs) she was like, there's just a few things that are like kind of off and maybe there is something there. Now, all that said, and I actually have been able to stabilize my blood sugar issue with paying really close attention to my diet. I exercise very regularly just because it's in the nature of the work that I do. So I'm able to really manage symptoms. So I don't know if I didn't live my lifestyle, what my profile would look like, which is very interesting to me. And I'm like always very curious about if I was sedentary and like ate a lot of junk food, would it be a totally different profile? And it might be, I just don't know. So I'm excited to hear how you work with women in treating and managing PCOS because I think that there's a lot that is treatable. And I think that that's really, really empowering for women. Yes. Yes. Well, let's talk about struggles in treatment and where you come into play with that and how you work with people in treatment.
1: Sure, sure. And that's really interesting that you said that because I think you've really hit the nail on the head and that you are probably already, unbeknownst to you, really doing a great job managing your symptoms because, like you said, you know, diet, exercise, those are two of the most important things that you can do. So I think that you're quite on top of it kind of during your journey of you know, just trying to deal with those symptoms. So yeah. a lot of the common struggles that women do face and getting that diagnosis, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but just getting diagnosed at all. So we touched on this before, but a lot of women have all these symptoms and that can start from really early age, like it did for me. And A lot of doctors, instead of saying, "Okay, let's look at the the root problem here, you get things to fix your symptoms. So like I was given acne medication, I was put on the pill, I was put on antidepressants. You know, I went through like a whole range of fertility treatments and no one ever told me that the best way to treat it was actually through diet and exercise and stress management. So I've got a Facebook group for where I support women with PCOS, and I literally hear this about almost 100% of the time is everyone's, you know, coming from a place where they are probably on the pill. They're probably not getting super serious about figuring out how to actually treat it until they're struggling with fertility problems or, you know, weight gain is another one that can, you know, really women start to struggle with even more in their 20s and 30s. So diet lifestyle are the two biggest things that you can do and that's coming straight from you know scientific evidence because what PCOS is is it's a hormone imbalance so kind of restoring that hormone imbalance and treating that underlying symptom as well as kind of this chronic inflammation that's a hallmark of PCOS if you treat that you can really manage your symptoms. And I found that myself by, you know, for the first time in my life, you know, when I was in my mid thirties, I actually was able to get a very regular period after kind of making these radical changes. So these two mechanisms of chronic inflammation and having a hormone imbalance, those are what cause all of our unwanted symptoms. So instead of treating those symptoms, we actually want to treat the underlying issue. So A PCOS diet, which we can get into in detail later, you know, that can help you lose weight, but it also can be the same thing that's going to help someone with lean PCOS improve their fertility and help them get, you know, a regular period regardless of their BMI. So it's really looking at the mechanisms and how to treat those mechanisms through diet and lifestyle changes that's going to give you the best result. Right.
0: And I think that. It's interesting to me that the answers for treatment, I think some of the strongest cases for treatment are related to health and lifestyle modifications. And that's really empowering, but that's also the hardest thing for people in many cases. It is. That like a pill would be way easier. And like, I'm just lucky that I'm like, I kind of like to geek out with fitness and nutrition (laughs) and that's very rewarding to me. And it really like, it decreases my anxiety and it like really helps with my mood and all these different things. And so I think that it is something that I've, there's this positive feedback loop for me that like every time I make healthy choices, I feel good. And so therefore I want to make more healthy choices, but I completely understand that that is really, really hard for some people and a pill would be so much easier. So it's like the answer is easy or the answer is simple, I should say in many yes. cases, but it's also, it's like a lifetime commitment. And that's a it big is. deal. It is.
1: It's huge. It's huge. And also, you know, for us, it's so easy to, you know, stop in at McDonald's or wherever, mm-hmm. grab something to eat, you know, the, the kind of culture that we live in now, we're yeah. very busy, you know, probably, you know, we work full-time jobs, having to meal prep, you know, make things from scratch so we can like avoid sugar and, you know, high GI carbohydrates and processed food it takes up so much of your time. And for me, like I'm seeing that at a whole new level, you know, with a 10 month old running a business, like the amount of time that I have to spend just making food, it drives me insane. You know, it's a huge commitment. And it's really hard. It took me years to get to a stage where I was actually really eating well, and kind of implementing all of these things. So you're right, it's so difficult. So it's, yeah, I love how you say that. It's it's simple, but it's really, really easy. Um, really hard to implement. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right.
0: But do you find that the rewards of the lifestyle make it worth it, and make it like where it becomes more of a no brainer? That like, obviously, I want to just keep repeating this because it's life giving in so many ways.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what's really interesting is. The kind of diet that you want to go on for PCOS, it's very similar to the kind of diet you want anybody to be on if they want to live a healthy lifestyle right, and not right. have health issues later in life. So there's been this really cool, you know, effect of, you know, now my husband's eating better. He's healthier. Yeah. You know, my son's going to grow up eating a really, you know, great Diet and hopefully you know that you, with all these you know epigenetic factors is you know going to help his health later on. My mum's eating better. I'd say mum now instead of mom. <laughs> so
0: That's long. what happens when you move okay. to Australia.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, mom. I should say mom. <laughs> you know, so my mom, I've con- try, you know slowly getting her off sugar, and her quality of life is improving. You know, she has less health problems. My mother-in-law as well. So it's really. in a way to, you know, make these changes, but then see the flow on effect to the people around you as well, because it's kind of, again, it's a simple answer for everybody. If, you know, cut out, cutting out these foods, it's going to actually improve anyone's health. So I think that's probably for me, the biggest, biggest benefit that I see is, is I'm able to kind of help everyone else as well. Right.
0: And I don't know research around this. I have suspicions around it though. Do you know anything about genetic components to PCOS? Like if it tends to be a genetic trait
1: it is it is genetic but okay. if you kind of look at it from epigenetic it can be really affected by your lifestyle in mm-hmm. your diet so there's really these two components i mean it's not really well known everyone's still trying to figure that out
0: excuse me you wouldn't have necessarily had like you know, an aunt or a grandmother or whatever who was diagnosed because it wasn't diagnosed then.
1: Mm, that's right, So exactly. you maybe yeah. could look
0: back though and see, and this is what I, we've, I've done a little bit with my family, is looking back and seeing, did this exist somewhere? And just went maybe undiagnosed because it wasn't a thing. And mm. I think the powerful piece in recognizing genetic patterns is, is looking at if this is something that you think you might be living with, and you might be living, you know, your quality of life might not feel super compromised at this point. But if Mm. you have a daughter that maybe is at risk for this, that's something to consider because you want to then you could be setting her up with a lifestyle now that would support the syndrome and support her like being able to live as symptom free as possible versus letting her, you know, kind of disregard nutrition and fitness and those kinds of things until she really has to fight her way back from it later in life. Exactly. That's
1: exactly it. Yep.
0: Let's talk about the fertility piece, the impact on fertility, and what did that look like for you?
1: Sure. Sure. So PCOS obviously affects your fertility and that a lot of times you don't get a regular period. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to track your periods. It's hard to know when you're ovulating. And then also you may not even ovulate. Yes. So you can have an, an ovulatory <laughs> that cycle. <was> always. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when we were doing IUIs, it was like every month I'd go in and <laughs> the doctor, she'd be like, well, you're open, but like, there's not enough cervical mucus, like all these things. And I was like, yes. oh my God, what does that mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so that's really true. difficult. The,
0: yeah. Like it looks like you're ovulating, but no egg is actually coming out.
1: Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, body. <laughs> it's, it, it's so difficult to tell. I mean, you know, I spent years, I ended up buying Avicu. I don't know if you've heard about this, is but you literally, I was. No. Oh. So it's actually this one where you, it's, quite, it's like a $300 device where you can check your cervical mucus every day uh-huh. and you check your saliva and you chart it and you try to come up with these, like, it creates this graph where you're trying to, Find patterns in your oh, cycle in order okay. to help you figure out when you're ovulating. Okay, you know. So I did that for like a year. It was oh it gosh. was ridiculous, and it, you know, it still was really difficult um, to tell. But so another thing that PCOS impacts is actually your egg quality. Mm. So that means that it's going to be harder for you to conceive because if your egg quality is, you know, if you're missing a chromosome or whatever, that's going to impact whether or not it can implant. And then if it does implant, you're at a higher risk of miscarriage because of chromosome problems. Mm. So for me personally, yep, I never got a period. So that was the most difficult part. And then hard to tell when I was ovulating. So again, like I was saying, I was tracking my period, tried that for about a year, wasn't able to fall pregnant. And then I moved on to fertility treatments. So I did six rounds of Clomid. So that's normally the first thing that Though um, doctors will put you on because that will make you ovulate, and they put me on metformin as well, which is quite common because that can help with your blood sugar levels. So I did six rounds of Clomid. On my second round, I did fall pregnant, but then I miscarried, and then I did another four rounds of Clomid, and nothing happened. Oh my gosh! So then I kind of moved on to ovulation induction. My first ovulation induction cycle, I did fall pregnant again, but then miscarried again. That was quite a difficult one. I'd moved up to the Gold Coast from Sydney and was living away from my husband because he was finishing up work. I was we were building a house in the eco village and it was about 9 weeks so there was a heartbeat but it was growing slowly. So that was that was a really difficult mm. miscarriage and then after that we moved on to IVF. Part of the reason that I made the decision to move on to IVF was that I was worried. that I mean, I was worried about my age. I was like, oh, I've got it. You know, if it's this hard to fall pregnant, I really wanted another one. I thought, oh, at least I'll have some, you know, eggs. I yeah. can save some eggs for So that was kind of the reason that we moved on to IVF. But then, you know, that we had a lot of failed attempts at that and I didn't fall pregnant that way. But during that journey, so a, a few years into it, I actually started seeing a functional practitioner. Have you ever heard of like functional medicine or Or like a naturopathic doctor? Yes. Yeah. So actually
0: my doctor is a naturopath. Ah, okay. Fantastic. And one of her specialties is fertility and kind of being creative around fertility, which was necessary in my case.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. So anyone who's listening, if functional medicine is, I kind of look at it as the future of medicine because- it's kind of if if you go see a functional doctor, it's someone who has a medical degree, they're a doctor, then it's not like a quack. Right. <laughs> Someone's like functional, you know, that sounds kind of crazy, but it's someone who's is, is a doctor, but then they also go on to study kind of treating the body more holistically. So looking at that instead of treating the symptoms where it's like, okay, well you've got you've got irregular periods, let me give you the pill. A functional doctor is actually going to look and say, okay, well, what's going on? What's the underlying issue here? You know, and they'll probably put you through a range of tests. Like I was testing my cortisol levels. I was checking for food intolerances. I was so trying to, you know, focus on my gut health and stop eating anything that was causing inflammation in my body. You know, I was having my thyroid looked at and actually trying to treat that without having to just straight put me on thyroid medication, actually trying to fix my thyroid, the underlying issue of my thyroid. So a functional doctor is. I would recommend anyone who is struggling with any of these health issues to go see. They are really expensive, though. So for us, you know, that was worth it because you know we're spending all this money on IVF. It was, you know, something that I was like, oh my goodness, there's a doctor who actually is taking seriously all of my health symptoms and actually yeah. trying to fix those instead of, of giving me a pill. So it was a couple of years into my fertility journey that I I met this doctor, and she was the one who introduced me to, you know, this kind of diet and lifestyle change. So, you know, I cut out sugar, I cut out processed foods. We can go into it a little bit more later on and kind of, you know, took out everything that I was intolerant to. I was intolerant to eggs, gluten, dairy, and then also kind of changed the way I was dealing with stress and also the way I exercised. And so about two years into it, I started making these changes I didn't even really notice that I was starting to get a regular period because I was doing all these IVF treatment. Mm. So it wasn't until quite a few failed IVF treatments that I was like, that's it. I need a break. Like, I can't do this right now. Okay. And I had started my blog and we had started building this program to help women with PCOS do all these diet and lifestyle changes that I was making. And I realized I was getting a perfect 30 day cycle. <sighs> Oh my so, God. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. amazing. So I was like, okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, let's take a break. You know, this IVF thing isn't working. Why don't we just try naturally for a while? And it was, I think, the second month I fell pregnant and it stuck. And now I've got a 10 month old. So it was quite an interesting journey because I kind of went down two different roads where I was, yeah. you know, doing all these IVF cycles, et cetera, but then also treating the underlying issue by doing these diet and lifestyle changes. So yeah, I guess that's, that's that's the story of how I yeah, got to it.
0: That's so interesting and powerful. I mean, I think that that's such a great kind of a segue into talking really specifically about how you work with people who are trying to manage their PCOS because. I mean, you've just given a great example of exactly what is possible if you mm. don't necessarily take the easy road because there isn't one, but you take the simple road of yes. managing it through lifestyle.
1: So yes. I know that
0: you have a three-pronged approach to treating and managing PCOS. So can you talk about what that looks like and how you work with people around that and sure the power behind that?
1: Sure. So when I say three-pronged approach, it's the three things I'm looking at is diet, exercise and stress management. So those are the three things that if you look at the scientific evidence that are really kind of the big, you know, levers that you can pull that are really going to affect these kind of two underlying things of chronic inflammation and getting your healthy hormone balance back. So with diet, Um, Diet's the biggest one. I would say that's 80% of... If you're going to focus on anything, because this is huge. I mean, having to make all these changes is huge. So if you're going to focus on anything, diet is most important. Yeah. And it's also the most difficult,
0: (laughs) of course. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, I mean, it's definitely so
1: hard. Yeah, it's so hard. And I think I'm a great example for women because I was like, I didn't know how to cook, loved sugar. Like I ate cereal for like all my meals because it was just quick and easy. you know. So I literally came from one end of you know the spectrum to the whole other end of it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of say to anyone, look, if I can do it, you can definitely do it because I was so hopeless. And it took me years. It took me a really, really long time. So the biggest thing is sugar. So cutting sugar out of your diet. And that includes natural sugars. I feel like there's a lot of really deceiving marketing around, oh, but it's a natural sugar. It's not a refined sugar. So it's okay, but it's the same. And can so you sugar, give
0: examples like,
1: of sure the difference sure. between the two? Let's say like low fat, everyone's like, oh, low fat yogurt. It's actually higher in sugar yes. to make it yes. taste better.
0: It like has as much sugar as ice cream or a can of soda.
1: Yeah, it's insane. It's mm-hmm. insane. So, you know, and sugar is in everything. So, you know, sauces, we're saying any low fat products, drinks, drinks are ridiculous, you know, fruit drinks, any sort of drink. So if you look at sugar, sugar breaks down into glucose and fructose. And both of those are really bad for us, but in different ways. Fructose is the worst because you don't metabolize it. It just turns straight into um, like fat um, through your liver. So glucose is good if we have small amounts of it. But if you have large amounts of it, it's going to make your blood sugar spike. And that's going to actually make it, that's going to affect your hormones and make things more difficult. So Avoiding sugar is the biggest step that you can take. But in order to do that, like sugar is very, very addictive. Like if there's, I think there's, I don't know, there's a study out there where they looked at someone's brain pattern on cocaine versus sugar. Have mm-hmm. you heard of this? And it yeah. was literally like lit up the same
0: Right. Right.
1: things in your brain. Like, it's very, very addictive. So doing an entire diet change and adding, you know, proteins and fats into your diet and making sure that you're full. And I really recommend a small amount of low GI carbohydrates. That's going to make the transition off sugar a lot easier. So avoiding sugar is a big one, avoiding high GI carbohydrates, though, like, you know, white rice, um, white potatoes, um, and instead focusing on low GI carbohydrates from whole food sources. So that may be from you know starchy vegetables like pumpkin or sweet potato or quinoa is a great one black rice and then cutting out inflammatory foods is really important because again you know PCOS is associated with this chronic inflammation so have really focusing on gut health and cutting out types of foods that might inflame your gut so whether that be something like processed foods trans fats or something that you are specifically intolerant to like for me it's gluten dairy eggs those are really common ones mm-hmm. um, for women with PCOS so normally like when we do this 30-day diet challenge I cut out gluten and dairy for everyone because it's just so common and then I say to a woman, look after the 30 days if you can slowly introduce those back in you can kind of tell you can start to tell because once your body starts feeling better It's amazing how you can go back and eat. You're very sensitive. You're very sensitive. Like, oh, actually, I've had that with sugar. Very good. Yes. Yeah. With sugar as well.
0: And it also reinforces, I think, the power in doing that. Like, it's super hard over the course of 30 days. It's very hard. But the power of doing that is that you get this really concrete evidence. And also when you realize something makes you feel awful, like for me, like sugar really, I feel really awful when I have sugar now. So I'm not tempted by sugar, not to say that like Mm. here and there, I don't want a dessert or something along those lines, but it's really not my trigger anymore because it doesn't make Mm. me feel good. It makes me feel really like I want to go take a nap and I feel hungover and that's not fun. That's not rewarding.
1: Yes. That's so awesome that you say that because Yeah, being able to get into a situation where you've cut it out for long enough that you're like, oh, this is how it feels to feel healthy. Like this feels awesome. When you go back and you kind of go eat these things, you're like, oh, actually, I don't want that anymore because it makes me feel awful. And it's something that I see in the 30 day challenge. And I also do this 10 week program with women where, you know, after 10 weeks, it's like they don't want to go back to eating these things that make them feel bad because it's just not worth it. Right right and also you, i think with sugar it's a hard one because you have to cut it out for long enough cuz to actually allow your taste buds to change you know so for probably you and i because we don't eat sugar that much eating something sweet is actually almost too sweet you yes. know like for me yes. i can when i make a dessert now like you know it'll be a special occasion and Like, for example, I'll make like a sweet potato brownie. Well, I'll just put a small amount of rice malt syrup in because that's just pure glucose. So you don't have any of the fructose in it. And the sweet potato itself is really sweet. And I'll have that and it'll be super like it'll be sweet enough to where it really Helps me with my sugar craving. Yeah. And if I were to have a regular brownie, I'd feel sick afterwards. Yeah. I wouldn't even want to eat it. This episode is supported by
0: Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non toxic, medical grade ingredients. I just randomly, Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky. And you know, like when kids,
1: anyone can get to this point where they can kind of change their taste buds to the point of where you really think things can be too sweet and things that aren't very sweet can actually be sweet. So there is like hope at the end of the,
0: right. You don't have to live for like the rest of your life feeling deprived. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing that I'm such an advocate amount is like advocate about is, you know, I feel like diets kind of get us into this you know, deprivation mindset where we're like, oh, I can't have it. Oh, you know, I'm not allowed this. And I don't think that's a good way to look at it. When I'm encouraging women to change their diet, it's like, if you need a cheat day, have a cheat day, because I don't want you feeling like you can't do things. I want you to change your diet because you want to, because you know that this food is going to make you feel bad. And, you know, if that involves, just being a bit more creative about the desserts that you make for yourself or you're maybe using like a glucose only sweetener and you're just slowly, you know, lowering your sugar amount. That's fine. Cause I really like to, I don't know if you've heard of this, but I'm really a fan of intuitive eating. Have you? Yes. Yeah. Intuitive eating. Yeah. Where you actually, instead of looking at it as a diet or as cutting things, things out, you're actually eating more intuitively. So you're feeling when you're hungry, instead of just you're mindfully eating so right. you know it's in, you're instead actually of responding
0: just, to your body's cues and yes, acting on yes. that versus like that's it this picture at mcdonald's looks really pretty on a poster so i'm going to order that yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's
1: right exactly and also like when we do the 30-day diet challenge the meals I'm actually getting people to eat are actually really filling. Like I have people who can't eat it all. Like most women are like, I'm sorry, I can't eat this breakfast. <laughs> it's too much. You know, so that's really cool to see. Like people do not go hungry. It's just that they're eating different types of food. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the foods that I do recommend people eating is high fat, you know, so this whole fat is going to make you fat is such an outdated, you know, it's a myth. It's totally outdated. You know, people on the, you know, sort of ketogenic diet is, are proving that as well. So High fat, high protein, lots of non-starchy vegetables. And also I recommend a small amount of low carbohydrates with each meal from whole food sources. Because with that, that can really help with your carb cravings and your sugar cravings. Mm -hmm. So again, those kind of low carbs would be quinoa or black rice or sweet potato or pumpkin, those are probably like the most main ones, but there's lots of other ones as well.
0: So one of the issues I was having with this reactive hypoglycemia is that I just kept trying to eat lower and lower carb. And I was like, Mm. I don't understand. Like, I feel awful. I'm eating like no carbs. I'm gaining weight. I have like constant energy slumps. So I finally... Went to an endocrinologist who gave me no answers, but her one suggestion was, Well, you should probably add a little bit more carbs into your diet. And I was like, Great, so that I can gain like 15 more pounds overnight. Thanks for the help. <laughs> so I left like totally mad at her. But yes. her suggestion on the other side of that was like, Balance it out, like take a little bit of the fat out, not go low fat, but take a little bit of fat out just to balance out the caloric exchange. Mm. This was a game changer for me. So I, since then, in the last year have been really conscientious about for multiple years prior i was taking carbs out of everything so i've had to be very conscientious about putting them back in but every time i have a meal i'm like where are my carbs and it's like you said it's the yams for meal often with a salad i'll do like two tablespoons of brown rice over the top of it Mm. or quinoa or whatever Mm. but just a little bit of carbs makes a huge difference and it sustains me for so much longer and i'm not getting these crashes and i've lost 15 pounds yes (laughs) it's been like I'm like oh my god, because someone could have told me that I could have like eaten some rice. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was yeah, actually it's, really it's a really
1: helpful. fine balance, isn't it? it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Really fine I'm not a it's... huge fan of the ketogenic diet just for that reason. Right, right. I think that, and I, I, you need to be really careful. I think if you're going to do the ketogenic diet, you need to do it under the care of a nutritionist, someone who knows what they're doing, a naturopath. You know, who can make sure that you're doing it properly and that you're not suffering from right. doing it? Like, I'm a little bit nervous because I kind of see it all over the place. Yeah. I'm going do the ketogenic no, I agree. diet. It's going to make you lose weight. I think you need to be careful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I see a lot of people talking about it as if they're mm. very qualified to talk about it when they're not. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, my really polite way of saying it. that
1: it's <laughs> hot. I, I won't go further than that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <okay. We'll> Stupid <laughs> so... <it> at that.
1: <laughs> Okay, so I'll go on to the other ones. I mean, diet is probably, you know, that's the biggest one. So it's good that we spend a lot of time on that. Now, exercise is interesting. I think it depends on the person as well. So, but in general, I more recommend the type of exercise that women should focus on. I think exercise is really important. But I do recommend sticking with things like progressive resistance training or interval training. Yoga is great. With doing like long cardio I used to be a runner. I think you're a runner as well, yeah. I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, used to, be a, to be I used to be a long
0: distance runner. I'm not anymore.
1: Okay. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Because you, you need to be careful. Like I stopped running when I started seeing this functional practitioner because I was actually really nutritionally depleted. Okay. And that probably was contributing to not getting my periods. Uh-huh. Um, and I also was suffering from adrenal fatigue. So you need to be really careful with that. I think that if you're doing the diet changes and You're not seeing results. If you are someone that does like long cardio, Mm -hmm. actually cutting that out would be worth tweaking to see if that does make some changes. But progressive resistance training, interval training are great. There's lots of scientific studies showing that they can help with insulin resistance, chronic inflammation, et cetera. So those are really great things to focus on.
0: And I love that because for moms, like I tell people, I don't ever work out for more than 30 minutes and sometimes it's only 10 minutes. So (laughs) it's actually a relief to not be like, oh my gosh, I have to train for another half marathon and run for like two hours every Saturday. Like who has time for that? It's great if that's That's your passion and that serves you. But for most moms, it doesn't fit. So
1: (laughs) Yeah. A 20 minute interval training is is amazing. You can get so much done in even, I mean, even 10 minutes, you know? Right, right. And then with stress management, so stress management is really interesting. I think we can go into this in, in a little bit, but there's stress absolutely makes PCOS worse. And we're also more susceptible to being stressed when we have PCOS. Oh, so interesting. Mm, so stress management is something that I feel like is it's overlooked, mm. but it's really, really important. So I mean, you know, that's a whole nother interview, really. But I mean, self-care is really important, you know, prioritizing yourself and your health, learning what your stress triggers are, finding ways to take those out of your life if you can. I'm a huge fan of meditation, mindfulness meditation. I'm really bad at it. <laughs> like, like Me too. I, we are twins. Yes. yes <laughs> you and I are really similar. Like I talk really fast. My mind goes like a million miles an hour. I can never stop thinking but that means that we're actually like the best candidates. We will get the most out of meditation more than anybody else right. <laughs> because it, we need our brains to slow down more than anyone else. And meditation, especially mindfulness meditation there, there's so much really cool evidence coming out showing how much impact just doing you know a 10-minute meditation can actually be on your health and also your emotional health. So it's not just a hippie thing to do. It's really, really impactful. And there's a lot of evidence behind it.
0: And I love that you said it's the short bouts can be totally impactful. It goes back yes. to like the exercise thing as well. Like 10
1: minutes yes. counts. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's just the consistency. And, you know, I'm probably being a hypocrite right now because I literally have not done any meditation since I've <laughs> had my son. So I, you know, in no way. You get a way... free pass for at least a year. Yeah. Oh, you know, and yeah, in no way. Do I do a perfect job at these three things? Like I'm far from perfect. Like I haven't been exercising since I've had my babies. It is so difficult. It is not easy to do these things. You have to be incredibly dedicated. You have to have a support system. And making the changes is the most difficult part because you're changing your habits. Yeah. I mean, I think once you, you know, years down the line, like, you know, the diet thing for me is much easier because I've made it such a part of my life. But doing these three things is really difficult. It's not easy. Right. But, you know, it can have an amazing effect on your body and your lifestyle. And for me, like all of the things that I had health wise, I don't have anymore. You know, it's not wasn't just from my PCOS. It's because I'm actually treating my body with something that is it, going to help anybody feel a lot healthier right. and live a longer life. So, you know, it is worth doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really powerful, impactful message there. What should someone do if they think they have symptoms of PCOS? What would be the first step?
1: So getting a diagnosis can definitely help because I think it can help motivate you to make those changes. Again, it can be hard to get those. So I almost want to say, you know, if you notice that you have some of these symptoms, I would just go straight into treating it because you're going to get a benefit out of it no matter what and also yeah it can be frustrating trying to get a diagnosis mm-hmm. but i think being your own advocate is most important right. as well right. you know so find a doctor who's going to help you if someone doesn't help you move on go see somebody else yeah. and just know that this is common it's really really common to have to do this and if you're going to see a medical professional, if you can afford it, I would really suggest to see a functional doctor or like a naturopathic doctor, because there's someone who's actually going to give you the support and the information you need to to fix these underlying issues instead of just, you know, trying to give you pills for a symptom.
0: And I will say my experience with a medical doctor versus a naturopath is the difference, like with a naturopath, I routinely have my minimum appointment time is 30 minutes. It's often an hour, if not more, mm. versus a medical doctor. You're going to have like a 15 minute window and it's going to be like, okay, we're going to do a test a couple of blood things. Like when my doctor does blood work, it's like 48 things are tested. And then I go back for an yes. appointment and I sit with her for like 30 to 45 minutes where we talk over every single lab result. So the thoroughness of it is like, you can't even compare it to what you get when you go to your a traditional medical doctor who does a few screenings and then like emails you the results and you look at them in your email and you're like I don't know they all just say normal range and sometimes yes. like being on the edge of normal range is actually an indicator and a naturopath will yes. pick up on that whereas in, a yes. lot of times a medical doctor will just say I don't know it's normal range is normal range and if you have a lot of things like on the edge of normal range those aren't being addressed that's a big deal so I really appreciate that feedback to Exactly. Challenge yourself a little bit with like who you go to for care and seek out someone who you think will really be able to serve you well.
1: Absolutely. And it's almost therapeutic. Like I feel it like, is. Oh my gosh. You know, I felt like I was in therapy. I was like, someone actually cares. Yes, like the, they, the they questions care they what's ask, happening to me. One of my girlfriends was
0: like, I can't go to naturopaths anymore. She's like, I've gone to three of them now. This was, I think this was over the course of like 10 years. She's like, I've gone to three different ones now. And every single time I go to one, they make me cry because yeah. she's like, I have to like tell my whole life story and I end up crying about something. And she's like, I haven't even lived a traumatic life. But I think that speaks to the depth that they go into to find out all these different things about you versus just like, oh, so you gained some weight or, oh, you like didn't get your period last month. It's going to be way bigger than that, which is really, really significant.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, yeah, so well said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to know, in what ways are you a shameless mom?
1: This is an interesting question. I was like, "How am I a shameless mom?" But I would say I can already um,
0: tell you just from talking to you for, a minute, for an <laughs> hour.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I would say for me, like, I have no shame in asking for help since I have had my baby. Okay. You know, I think that as a mom, you really can feel like you have to do it all, and you can feel guilty if you're not. If you're, you know, I constantly feel guilty that I'm. Ever since I've had my baby, I live in anxiety that I'm not doing enough for him and guilt that, you know, that I'm not doing things perfectly. And I've realized that I just can't do everything, yeah. you know, so I really have no shame in asking my husband for help, asking close family for help. I actually have my mom here visiting at the moment because I like called her and was like, Mom, I just can't do this. Like, <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> it's like, you so have to come. <laughs> come save me. You know. So she's actually yeah. here for six weeks. helping oh, out, nice. You know which has been amazing. Yeah, it's just been so good, you know, because I know that I need to prioritize myself and I need to have, you know, at least a small amount of self-care, which, you know, is for me is in the form of eating properly three times a day, you know, getting enough sleep if I can, you know, because that I need to support my mental health. I need to support my physical health. And if I don't prioritize myself, everyone else is going to suffer as well. So I think that's something I'm really learning is just, I don't have to be super mom. I can fail and it's okay to ask for help.
0: Mm, I love that. So can you tell people where they can find you, where they can connect with you? And I want to get this information and then we'll go into our shameless mommy minute where we'll hammer you with our lightning round. But where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? And anything else you want to say about the work that you do?
1: Sure. So my blog is smartfertilitychoices.com. I also have a Facebook group, which I think if you just look up 30 day pcos diet challenge okay. it'll come up there so that it's mainly around the 30-day diet challenge that we do four times a year but then also in between challenges you know we do lots of theme days and um, it's a really fun engaging group i really encourage people to join that if they do have pcos i've my 10-week program um that i do supporting women with, with, with pcos where we really go into depth You know, with these three—diet, exercise, and stress management—we focus a lot on intuitive eating. We have a sugar rehab module, Um, all that fun stuff. That's on beatpcos.com, and you can also find me on Instagram. I'm sure you'll put a link up to that. Yep, Um, I will have
0: links to everything you just mentioned, so people can go to shamelessmom.com and then click on your episode, and I'll have that all linked up over there. And I actually, just while you were talking, I popped over to the beatpcos.com site. And I love what you have here. Oh my gosh, there's like so many resources. And I also love, this is like, I'm married to a web designer and I always notice when people get really good URLs and you got a really good URL. Oh,
1: that was good, wasn't it? I know. I was really impressed.
0: (laughs) Well done. (laughs) It can be hard to find the best URLs. I was like, that's the best URL. (laughs) Yeah, I was really stoked about that. (laughs) So people can find you over there at beatpcos.com. And then I'll link everything else up in the show notes as well. Awesome. Okay. So let's hop over to our lightning round. What is your favorite way to treat yourself?
1: Yeah, so at the moment just taking a shower. <laughs> it's like so glamorous. the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> that's some um, that's literally what I look forward nice. to and I this is gross but probably get that like once every two days. So it's nice. it's nice. um it used to be going for a surf. Like I love surfing, oh. but um that's really gone out the out the window <laughs> the last couple of years. So. It'll come back. It'll come back. It'll come back. That's like, it. These yeah. Things it's come really back not glamorous.
0: And, yeah. When you start to get that self-care back or just like time to yourself back, it's like the most freeing thing in the world. And yeah, oh,
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. So and I'm just telling myself it's just a phase. It is. You know, it's it is. When you're in the
0: middle of it, it does not feel like it. It feels like a life mm-hmm. sentence, but no, it's, is a phase. I promise you.
1: Yeah. That's what I keep telling myself. Yeah. My wetsuit hasn't been used in a really long time. Oh. My surfboard's sad and <laughs> been in the shed for like a year.
0: What is the current book that you're reading or the last one you read, if you have any time to read right now?
1: Yeah, well, I was thinking about that. I was like, I'm not reading a book. But then I realized there is, it's like my Bible at the moment, which is The Wonder Weeks. Oh, yes. It was my Bible too.
0: You're like, why is my baby cranky today? Oh, because it's a sleep regression week. Okay, cool.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's amazing. Anyone, If there's anyone listening who is pregnant or going to have a baby, The Wonder Weeks is like the most amazing book ever. And they have have an app. Have you used the app? Yes. Except I get so nervous because you get this (laughs) ding. Oh, your baby's going into this, you know,
0: (laughs) don't tell me.
1: Yeah, it's I have like PTSD from it. (laughs) Funny.
0: What is one morning ritual you can't live without?
1: Yeah, so this is another thing where at the moment, my life is just not very glamorous. Like the only ritual for me at the moment is I literally get up and I pump. (laughs) 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 And then I get the house in working order so I can survive the day. So it's
0: well, I think any mom who's ever pumped can be sympathetic to that being
1: your oh, first thing. Of it the day. is insane. Yeah, it's insane.
0: Who is your biggest inspiration?
1: I would have to say, actually, the women doing my program, and I, and the reason this is is because there are so many women who are struggling with PCOS who go and they do my ten week program, going through huge adversities, like way worse than I have, who are so motivated to change and make these huge changes because i feel like one it's so difficult which we already talked about and it, it really takes time and it also can be really disappointing if you're not seeing changes right away and watching some of these women i mean some of them have struggled with infertility for over 10 years you know i have one woman who was just the most positive lovely wonderful lady Her son was struggling with cancer and finally had gone into remission. And now it was, you know, finally time for her to look after her health. You know, it just amazes me the sort of women that I get to work with, the amount of motivation, hard work stamina, resilience. It's just absolutely amazing. So I, I'd have to say they really inspire me to do better because I'm like, Oh God, they're eating better than me this week. Like I've, really got, I've got, you know, I see their pictures on their Facebook group and I'm like, Oh God, you know, got to step it up a notch. Got to step it up. Yeah. So they really keep me on my toes, which is, which is also like a real benefit for yeah. me.
0: If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why?
1: I would say the ability to be able to stay mindful and in, in the moment when you are going through, especially I think in, you know, younger years of your kids, yeah. it's so difficult because, you know, and I struggle with this all the time. It's, it's a superpower I wish I had It's you know, you're constantly, you're trying to get things done. You're trying to like, just keep up with the housework. You're, you know, if you're working, make sure that they have everything. And it's really hard to just stop and be mindful and enjoy them. And that's something that I'm really working on. And, you know, I know that can be difficult for other women as well, because they grow up so quickly. And it's like, yes. you've got to take those minutes, take that time and just be able to be in the moment with them and just think, yes. oh, my goodness, Snuggles so cute. and like, giggles and, yes. and little naps together. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm like, he's like naps in my arm and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, no, but that's so cute. I he's know. not going to be, you know, and it's just it's this constant battle back and forth trying to really appreciate it. <laughs>
0: well this has been so great kim i really appreciate you being here to share your information and share your resources and share everything that you're doing to help women with pcos i appreciate you telling your story really openly so that other women can be inspired and impacted by what you've gone through and i know that you will definitely help other women just through this conversation that we just had so i can't tell you how grateful i am for that i hope that great things are on the horizon for you When if you're back in seattle visiting i would love to meet you in person yes <laughs> yes so fun that would be so cool. Yeah. And let us know next time you have some exciting things going on and we'll have you come back on the show and chat some more.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for spending time with Kim and me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I hope this was helpful.
0: And please, please share this out. If you know someone who struggles with PCOS or you think someone maybe has symptoms and maybe is going undiagnosed, be a good friend or family member and just say, hey, this made me think of you. I thought you might be interested. I'm just trying to be helpful and supportive. Send it over as a resource. People who struggle with PCOS symptoms want answers and want treatment modalities that can be safe for the long-term. So sharing this kind of information can really be helpful and impactful to someone else's life. So please do share out this episode. If this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, please know that we are here every Monday and every Wednesday with a new episode and you could subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you into Apple Podcasts where you can click on the little subscribe button and then you can also scroll down to leave a review under the ratings and review section. So please take a minute to do that. Let us know what you think of the show. We always are nominating different shameless moms of the week based on reviews received. So please pop over and do that at your convenience. And I can't wait to be back here in a couple days to to do this all over again and talk about more shameless topics with you. Until next time, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired.